0: 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, Be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow together. How beautiful are these words from you to your people, to us. Thank you for them. Will you cause your Holy Spirit to apply them to our hearts, to illumine your word and the truth? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is our verse for 2020. Each year we pick a verse of the year, it is chosen by the elders of Our church and we uh, each year consider a number of verses. And I'll tell you that we, we, yes, consider a number of verses, and every one of them is good. (laughs) All of them are good verses. We would never um, feel, no matter which we had chosen, that it was not a good verse of the year. So what do we do with a verse of the year? Well, I want to encourage you to memorize it. It's actually three verses. Somebody asked me uh, before we had revealed it, what's the verse of the year going to be? I said, well, actually, this year we're doing three verses. You're going to have to memorize three verses this year. And they're going, oh, no, I have hard enough time with one verse. Uh, but I think uh, you'll find that uh, this one is readily memorized and uh, will be one that will be meaningful for us as a church and as, as individuals. So you memorize it, think about it, meditate on it, keep it in front of you, and uh, use it throughout the year. Now, just a, a few minutes ago in the Great Hall, We uh, talked about launch uh, 2020, and uh, one of the things that we uh, talked about was our disciple flow, discipleship flow, Um, because what we are about at St. Andrews is making disciples. We are absolutely committed to that. When my pastor friends asked me, what kind of discipleship program are you using? I've told you this before. I say, oh, we don't use a discipleship program. We don't. Everything we do here is in order to make disciples. And that's what a church ought to be. That was the last thing Jesus said, was to make disciples. And so... That's how we evaluate what we will do here at, at St. Andrews. Will this help us make disciples? But this year, uh, this past year, as we uh, had our launch, we introduced to you and talked uh, a lot about our disciple flow so that people would have an idea. Okay, well, what's that mean really to be uh, a disciple, and, and we, we talked about the four areas of worship, uh, connect, grow, and serve. And there's arrows between all of those, and, and it's not as though you, you choose which one of those you want to do, but all of those are necessary if we are to be growing disciples. And those things, to a great degree are outward. We can, we can give you categories. We can tell you things that, that we are doing under the area of worship or connect or uh, service opportunities or growth classes that we have. And you will know whether you are taking advantage of those or not. That's why I say they're outward things. But all of them contribute To being a a disciple. Now, I hope that as we are entering a new year, that one of the things that you have resolved is to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Yes, I want you to uh, lose weight and live on a budget, but I also want you (laughs) to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so uh, we, we lay out these opportunities that you can take advantage of, that you can take part in. There is no lack of opportunity. So where does this verse fit in? This speaks to us as a church and also as individuals on both levels. And in some ways, it's going to be harder to measure than am I going to a class or am I not going to a class. But in some ways, this will enable us really to apply the things that we are are learning, the the service opportunities that we take uh, advantage of and take part in. And so this verse can, and I encourage you, to use it as a framework for how you can grow in Jesus Christ in 2020. So uh, just for a few minutes, we are going to look at it. This won't be the last time this year that we'll refer to it uh, or preach on it or a portion of it. But there's a, There's an awful lot in... Uh, these verses. And and instead of saying these verses every time, I may say this verse. You get it. Uh, We're we're putting all of these together. Now, one may say, well, how do you know he's even talking about being a disciple here? Well, if you look at uh, the last part of verse 18, it says this, For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We know because he told us that his will for us is for us to be disciples and, of course, to be growing in our discipleship. So, yes, these do apply to being a disciple. It makes sense that Paul is talking about instructions for disciples, And by the way, this is kind of rapid fire here at the end of this letter. So let's take a look at them. The, the first thing we can see is uh, obviously that a disciple lives in joy. Verse 16, rejoice always. Now, I want you to take your worship guide and... Normally, you immediately open it up and and start looking inside. That's fine. But I want you to look at the front of the worship guide. Because there, on the front of our worship guide, you see our mission here at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church. If you walk out these doors, you will see it on the wall in the gathering place. You'll see it all kinds of places. Our mission and uh, our um, vision 2022 is a fleshing out of our mission statement. So those are the two documents. This is the the core mission, and this will not change because we believe that this is a summary of what it is to be a disciple. And then our vision statements, uh, which we... Uh, have revise each five years. Our vision statement fleshes out what these things mean in our life as a church, helping people joyfully know Jesus Christ, love Him more, and serve Him better. Now, when we summarize that, you will often see know, love, and serve, and that's that's good. That is a good summary of this if you were going to break it down, to know him, to love him, and to serve him. But I don't want us to skip over the word right before, no. Helping people joyfully. And I want you to understand, we're gonna diagram this sentence here. Uh, Children, diagramming sentences is when you Take them and you have, uh, you have the verbs and the nouns and modifiers and, and all that. And I know you, you probably don't know what that is, but I've just told you everything I know about diagramming too. Um, but here, here is what I, I, I want us to notice about this, and that is the joyfully... It's not just joyfully know. That word joyfully is the umbrella statement That modifies all three of these things joyfully know, joyfully love him, and joyfully serve him better. So that's what we need to understand in terms of uh, uh, who we are here at at St. Andrew's. We believe our mission statement to be a, a, a summary of the Great Commission that's found in Matthew 28. And so we have this umbrella word. Now, I just read to you from First Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice always, but that's not the only place we see that. It's everywhere uh, in, in the scripture, particularly in the New Testament. Just, I'll just read you several quickly. Jude 24, uh, now to him who is able, this is be- often used as a benediction, him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless. Um, before the presence of his glory with great joy. 2 Corinthians 1.24. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. 1 Peter 1.8. Though you've not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. So we believe that uh, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's the the first catechism question, what is the chief end of man? Uh, What is man's chief end? Uh, Glorify God and enjoy him forever. That doesn't just mean when we get to heaven We'll start enjoying him. Forever is from now on, always, whenever you make that that statement. And so, uh, as our vision statement, this is exactly what we say in Vision 2022. We believe that joy should characterize everything we do. Joy denotes the deep and abiding joy of which Paul speaks as well as the appropriate and genuine outward joy arising naturally from our relationship with Jesus Christ. It should not merely be an afterthought, but should permeate every activity and ministry. So that's what we mean by it being an umbrella statement. When we say the deep and abiding joy that Paul talks about, we, we look, for instance, in Philippians, uh, the epistle of joy... And how can how can it be the epistle of joy when, when he's imprisoned? Well, it's not about just outward laughing and uh, yucking it up. That can be a part of joy, but it's that deep, abiding joy, often in spite of the circumstances. Because it's not based on the circumstances of what's going on. It's based upon our relationship with Christ. And that never changes for the believer, for the true believer. So that's why Paul can write the Epistle of Joy while he's imprisoned, because he knows Christ, and that's the source of his joy. Now will, will there be laughter? Absolutely. Absolutely. If God's spirit is around, there's going to be outward joy as well. And we we seek to do all things here in that way appropriately so So back to our verse of the year, rejoice always. Why would that be one of the last things he reminds the Thessalonians of? Maybe did they need to be reminded of that for some reason? And the answer is yes. For what reason? Well, because they were undergoing persecution. We see earlier in 1 Thessalonians chapter one, it says this in verse six, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, Thessalonians 1, six, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. Now, joy doesn't come naturally for all of you. Some of you may say, oh, I, I really struggle with that. I'm just, I, you know, the glass is half empty. In fact, It's two-thirds empty. You know, some of you, that's how some of you, you are. And some of you would say, you know, that seems to be the way God made me. And that's okay. That's the way God made you. This is for you. We are still to have that deep and abiding joy. But... Joy and rejoicing doesn't come naturally for anyone that's undergoing persecution or trials. So this is for all of us, whether it's your disposition to not be all that joyful or if your disposition is to be very outwardly joyful There will be times where your circumstances will dictate otherwise. And this is our encouragement, that our joy is based absolutely on our relationship with Christ. And that's what won't change. Now, here's another essential to this. And it's why we didn't just Choose First Thessalonians 5:16 as our verse of the year, as just the, the two words, because these are so connected. The only way that the Thessalonians can be joyful is to follow his next directive. And that is in verse 17, "To pray without ceasing. So, secondly, a disciple lives in prayer. We live a life of prayer, not just that we pray an activity or that we go to prayer meeting. Nothing wrong with that. That's part of praying without ceasing. But that's not praying without ceasing if that's the only time we pray. So if you look at these these three verses you see it's rejoice always and pray how often should we pray without ceasing So again back in our vision statement here's what we say in terms of What we're going to be empowered by here at St. Andrews to do the things that we believe God wants us to do, which is make disciples. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We say that first in a paragraph. And then it says, and we'll be empowered by prayer to the one who alone can enable us to succeed. Prayer cannot merely be an add-on, nor should it be an afterthought. So we make our plans and say, oh, you know what? Hey, we ought to pray about this before we go do what we want to do, Okay? That's not how we want to do it here. But it should be the first step and should permeate every ministry and activity of St. Andrews. So what's Paul saying to the Thessalonians? He's saying, look, you need to rejoice always, but to do that, you need to be in a constant spirit of prayer. Because the circumstances you're facing, that doesn't dictate joy or rejoicing. So pray. And then when your circumstances get better, pray. Pray without ceasing. The little boy is asked by his Sunday school teacher, do you pray for your math test? Oh, yes, ma'am, I prayed for my math test. Uh, How how about your uh, science test? Oh, yes, ma'am, I really, I prayed for my science test. What about your spelling test? Oh, no, I didn't pray about that because I get an A in spelling. (laughs) You laugh because that's what we do, isn't it? Isn't that how we often act? It's it's easy, and we feel called to pray when there's something that we feel is urgent. But when it comes to something we feel capable of handling or competent at, it's harder to remember to pray without ceasing, to understand that we are just as dependent on him for, for our spelling test that we get an A at as we are for our science test that we know we're not good at. Martin Luther prayed an hour straight every day, except for busy days. And then he prayed two hours straight. He understood the urgency of prayer for his life. Now here's our incentive. And I'm taking this from John Piper. Our incentive is that life is war. He says, you cannot know what prayer is for until you know that life is war. And here's what he says in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad. Life is war. That's not all it is. But it is always that. Our weakness in prayer is owing largely to our neglect of this truth. Prayer is primarily a wartime walkie-talkie for the mission of the church as it advances against the powers of darkness and unbelief. It's not surprising that prayer malfunctions when we try to make it a domestic intercom to call upstairs for more comforts in the den. You get it? You see what he's saying? It's, you know, we're, when, we, when we look at prayer as calling in for cover, we are being attacked. We need your cover, your protection. That's, that's when we're understanding prayer. When we're saying, I think I'll order another pillow for my den. And prayer goes off the rails. It's not really biblical prayer when it's all about my comfort. God has given us prayer as a wartime walkie-talkie so that we can call headquarters for everything we need as the kingdom of Christ advances in the world. Prayer gives us the significance of frontline forces, gives God the glory of a limitless provider. The one who gives the power gets the glory. That's why. And that's why we're starting this year with a prayer event. Wednesday night, you need to be here. Let me tell you why you need to be here. We are having fried chicken and macaroni and cheese Wednesday <laughs> night. You don't want to miss the fried chicken and macaroni and cheese on Wednesday night. And then we will follow that up with a time of prayer. Now, do you see what I just did? In two sentences, I made you hungry and then took away your appetite. (laughs) For some of you. You said, oh, fried chicken night. And then you heard a prayer time. And some of you thought, oh, those are uncomfortable. I don't like to pray out loud. Or I've never prayed out loud. That's a private thing for me. Or those, those moments of silence when nobody's praying, ooh, ooh. That gives me the willies, you know. I don't like that. Some of you feel that way. I get it. I get it. And yet, if life is war, really? If this year before us is a battle that we are waging, then come. Come. Be a part of it. And I promise you, you will not be forced to pray out loud. You will not be uncomfortable. Every time we've had these, I've been at a table where uh, one or more or several have not prayed out loud at all. But I'm not going to say they didn't pray because they were praying. We were all there together. And even silently, they were taking the words of others and making them their own prayer. And that's part of how uh, we pray together, but that's also the beauty of corporate prayer. So I want to encourage you to come and enjoy that great meal, but enjoy being with one another and acknowledging that that we've got to get out our walkie-talkies if we're going to to go through this next year and do what God wants us to do in advancing his kingdom. So the third part of what this tells us about a disciple is a, a, that a, a disciple lives in thanks. A disciple lives in thanks. Give thanks in all circumstances, it says in verse 18. Now. I, right before Advent, right before Thanksgiving, I actually uh, used this particular verse, even though I I knew we would be coming to this and and having it as the verse of the year, in a message on Thanksgiving. And I'm not going to re preach that, but I want to give you three of uh, the applications from the end of that message. One is that giving thanks at all times requires a belief in God's sovereignty. If we are uh, truly believers that he is in control of all things, then we will pray. If we don't pray, then it implies that we don't think he is sovereign or all-powerful in all things. Secondly, giving thanks at all times requires a belief in God's goodness. If we don't believe he's good, we won't thank him. We will judge him. We will despise how he does things. If we don't first determine that he is a good God. Thirdly, giving thanks at all times requires practi- a practiced perspective. Uh, in First Thessalonians five, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of, uh, for, of God for you in Christ Jesus. So it's a command. And some of you may be struggling with that. Maybe you have health problems and, and it's hard to give thanks because of your health problems, or you are grieving, or you're laid off from your job wondering, How can I provide for my family? Or you have family or financial problems, and it's hard for you right now to uh, be thankful. And that's why it doesn't say just be thankful. It says give thanks. And the thankful heart will follow the obedience of giving thanks. If you struggle with it, you're in good company. In fact, this command has been uh, through the ages for all, not just for those who have something to be thankful for. So looking back on, on 2019, and as we enter into 2020, which of these three things that I've talked about, do you struggle with rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, or giving thanks in all circumstances? Or which of these should you struggle with if you want to be a growing disciple? Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, In Romans 8, Paul said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And then later he said, "No. in all these things, We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors because we who believe that God is in control of all things can recognize that those things that are hard to rejoice over, that are hard to give thanks for, that are even hard to to pray about, those are not stumbling blocks to hold us back, but they actually help us reach our predestined goal of being who he wants us to be. Everything and everyone in our lives are there in order to make us more like Jesus. And you can know that. Let's pray together. Lord, as we see those three things, no doubt many of us struggle with one or more, or or at times we struggle with all three of those. And so, Lord, will you use this verse in our lives this year? Will you help us to memorize it? And then for it to be, become such a part of us that it, it comes to our mind regularly, daily. And then your Holy Spirit will encourage us to rejoice, pray, and give thanks. Will you make us those people